Yes, Father, we thank you that we can humble ourselves and come into your presence. Knowing that you love us, Lord, that what separated us from you, Lord, you paid forth with your Son on the cross, that we can come to you without fear of your wrath and judgment, but come in peace and be in your presence, knowing that you love us, God. And Lord, so we pray that as we humble ourselves before you this morning, that you will speak to us through your Spirit, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to us more, your ways and your purposes, God. And I pray that you grant us the grace to follow them, so that you may be glorified in and through it, in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a baptism um, at 12. Please join us. It's always exciting when people take that bold step to declare Jesus as their Lord. Um, at 12 at the Old Harbor, as usual. Please join us as we celebrate this step of those who give their life to Jesus. And if you are here and you haven't yet been baptized, why not? I'm going in like this, so what is your excuse? <laughs> Um, yes, um, I, I want to continue on what the Lord has been laying on our hearts concerning His bride making herself ready for His return. And what does that look like for the bride to be ready? And we've been looking at Ephesians, 5, or Ephesians chapter 4 as a glimpse of God's desire of what church ought to be like when she is ready. And um, I just want us, as an introduction again, just to read that. I'm going to read from the ESV version this morning. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed and fro by waters and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in everything into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. A powerful uh, description of God's desire and heart for church to grow up into maturity into Him. And we've been looking at various aspects of it. This morning I want to talk about this concept of the unity of the faith. Until we all reach the unity of the faith, what are that that unifies us in our faith in God? What are the fundamentals of our faith that we are all meant to accept and to believe as we grow to maturity in Christ? And so I want to start off with what we believe about God. What we believe about God. You know, A.W. Tozer once said, what comes to mind what we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God, that, that understanding of who God is, 
is the most important thing about us. Because it not only determines our salvation, but it also determines how we live our lives and for what we live our lives. Our understanding of God and what He has done for us. And so it is a very important place to start off with when we talk about the unity of our faith. That we'll all agree on the same concepts. Concepts is maybe a wrong word. The same truth. You know, truth is not hard to find. What is hard is to conform to it once you find it. Therefore, the world will rather deny the existence of ultimate truth because if there is so, such a thing as truth, you need to conform to it. And so too in our relationship with God. I, I wanted to take a more systematic approach, but I could not help myself as I journeyed with the Lord through this concept of who He is that it ended up a bit more devotional. So, so please forgive me. I'm, I'm going to try and be systematic in, in what the Lord laid on my heart throughout. But I was, I, I was sitting on, on one of my favorite spots on the rocks near Flick's Pool, and um, it all started with Genesis 1 verse 1, one, one of the most powerful revelations of who God is and what we believe concerning God. In, and that is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a powerful revelation of who God is. He is the creator of the universe. A powerful statement. The creator of the universe. And not only that, we read further on in, in verse 3, everything came into existence through his word. When God said, let there be light, and there was light. It just speaks of the tremendous power of God. That God is all-powerful. He's almighty. Nothing is impossible for Him. There's this immensely powerful being that is completely different to us. God is unlike us. He is all-powerful and everything that exists is because of Him. It's one of the fundamental truths that unifies Christians. It's that we believe that God is the creator and that everything exists exists because of him. And, and while I was just meditating upon it, the whales were jumping. <laughs> and they started to flap their tails. Now, I, I haven't seen that yet, but for 15 minutes, this one whale was flapping its tail on the water as if it was saying, Amen. Amen. And after five minutes, I was no longer alone. All the tourists were around me. It's like, what are you doing in my space? They were all just snapping photos. Because I was very close to where these whales were just worshipping God. Acknowledging Him. The first thing that unites us is our belief in God. That's why Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, but those who come to Him must believe that He exists and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. It's one of the essence of our faith, the belief in God. Now, many today, for various reasons, that choose not to believe it. Like I mentioned before, because if it's true, then we need to conform to Him. But so we rather deny His existence. But, but so there are many different religions that believe in a God. 
But the word of God declares there is only one. And the rest are all false. So the question is, who is God? Is it dependent on my interpretation, my culture, or is it dependent on who God revealed himself to be? Because God is true and everything else is false. And, and so we shape our understanding of who God is primarily not by what we interpret or what we say, but what God said and what he revealed. That is pure. And one of the first revelations of God is the fact that he is the creator. He's almighty, all-powerful. So God not only revealed himself through creation, which is a powerful revelation of who he is, when you look at the detail and, and the intricacy and, and how everything works together in a perfect balance. It's amazing if you study science and biology just to see creation. And what it reveals about God is majesty, is wisdom. But God not only revealed himself through creation, he also revealed himself personally. So powerfully. From Adam and Eve to Noah to Abram right through to Jesus. And then the apostles and the Holy Spirit that, that lives within us, God continually reveals himself through his word and, and through his person. But again, the first place that God revealed himself was through creation. And then powerfully in the word, the Bible, the first place where God revealed himself is in Genesis 1 verse 1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a powerful definition of who God is. For God to create the universe, he must be almighty. Think about that. For God to create out of nothing the universe, he must be almighty. Therefore, there is nothing in this creative reality that is impossible for him. If God created everything that exists, there is nothing that is impossible for him in this what he created. Because he created it. And therefore, God is almighty. And it is here where my systematic approach ends. I was, I was just struck by that again. And, and, and I just want to share with you what God shared with me. I, I, I started by looking at, at the first place in the word of God where God reveals himself as almighty. Where in the Bible does this concept begins? And so the first place in the Bible that the word almighty is used is found in Genesis 17, verse 1. And I want us to read this and just share with you what the Lord laid on my heart here from verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. You know what's so powerful is God speaks to Abram and says to him, I am almighty. In, in, in very powerful way, God is saying, nothing is impossible for me. The context is so powerful. 
The context in which God reveals himself to Abram in this way is so powerful. It, it was the first time that God spoke to Abram after the birth of Ishmael. Now we all know the story. God made a promise to Abram and said that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you an offspring through your wife Sarai. And when God made that promise, Abram was 75. And, and, and Abram believed God. Initially, he was convinced that God is able to do what he said. And then 10 years passed. And as Abram was 85, his wife came to him and said, Abe, we've been trying a long time now. We know this is not possible. Why don't you take my slave girl and she will bring you a child? It's the first time God speaks to Abram after the birth of Ishmael and he says to him, I am almighty God. Nothing is impossible for me. And then God reaffirms his covenant with Abram. And then he says the following from verse 15. And then God said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. For I will bless her, and I also will give you a son by her, then I will bless her, and she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. And then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? It is not possible. <laughs> And God starts his conversation with Abram and says, I am the almighty God. Nothing is impossible for me. God starts this conversation with Abram after his compromise. A compromise based on man's own understanding and what is physically possible and not possible. God's response to that is, I am almighty God. Nothing is impossible for me. And then he continues to say, and he said, Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. And then God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who is this God? He's almighty. Nothing is impossible for him. Another thing that God reveals about himself is that he's not only almighty, nothing is random with God either. Everything that he created has purpose. And we not only see that in creation when we study it, 
and we discover more of it that everything has purpose. God, everything that God has created has purpose. It's not random. You are not here by accident or fluke. Your life is not random either. God purposed you. Therefore you live. It's not random. Neither is my life. And then he continues to say, And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and I will make him fruitful. I will multiply him exceedingly and he shall beget twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant... I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. And then he finished talking with him. And God went up from Abraham. Not only is God different to us, almighty and powerful beyond our understanding, what just struck me again, is that God spoke to Abram. He spoke to a man. God is vastly different to us. In his holiness, in his power, in his might, he is completely different to us. Almost unapproachable in his majesty and power. Nothing impure can come into his presence. And in a sense so distant to us because of his majesty and power. And yet, he is mindful of us. He is mindful of you. He knows you. God creates Adam and Eve and walks with them and talks with them. And this brings us to another powerful fundamental truth about God. And it's the fact that he is relational. He's relational that, that emphasizes another understanding of who God is. And, and this is one of the fundamental aspects of who God is. is the fact that God is not just relational, but, but God is love. God is love. We, we read it so powerfully in 1 John 4 verse 7 to 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. God does not just love. It is far more than an ability of God, a function of God, an expression of an emotion. God is love. We see a glimpse of that in the mystery of the Trinity. There is just so much of God we do not fully grasp in our limited understanding. And one of those things is, is this concept of the Trinity. And, and within this, this, this mystery of the Trinity, we, we, we see the Father. And, and just the, the revelation that God is a Father immediately points to a relationship. I am your Father. It points to, the, to a relationship. And, and, and then Christ, the Son of God, again uh, it, it points to a relationship with the Father. And the Spirit of God that, that knows God intimately speaks of a relationship. And we see with, within the mystery of the Trinity, we see love have always been there. 
Even before the existence of the universe, there was God. And God is love. And God loves. The Father loves the Son. And the Son loves the, the Father. And the, and the Spirit. And, and, and we see how, how they love each other. And then God created the other human. Humans. For the purpose to love. And for us to love Him. And so in the mystery of the Trinity, we see intimacy and love. And the Trinity is another fundamental belief that keeps us together. The unity of the faith that we believe in one God. There is only one God, but the mystery of the Trinity of three in one. And I really don't have time this morning to go into that. But we see that love is always towards the other. In the Trinity, there is always love. And therefore... God is love in essence, not just in function. And what makes this love of God so powerful is in the context of another fundamental truth of who God is, how he revealed himself, and that is the fact that God is holy. This love of God is so powerful in the context of his holiness. God is holy, he is good, he is pure. And he has no evil. That is powerful. The word of God reveals, God reveals himself as being holy and pure. He is not yin-yang. He's not good and evil. He is just good. He's absolutely pure. That makes us different from all the other religions, by the way. We believe God is pure and good. You know, in 1 John 1 verse 5, we read, this is the message that we heard from him from the beginning. And we declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. It's a powerful revelation of who God is. And because God is holy, he's not only just, but I know his love is absolutely pure and good. Because God is holy, his love is absolutely pure and good. Unlike man's love. Unlike what I have experienced and seen and encountered in this life, God's love is completely different. It's absolutely pure and good. And there's no darkness in it at all. And I know that he loves me. And if you ever doubt that, you can look at Jesus on the cross. I think it was Owen that said that God's holiness without his love would be unbearable. God's love without his holiness would be unjust. But God's wisdom somehow brought these two together. And it involved the cross. But that's another sermon of another day. <laughs> There's something about God's love in the context of his holiness and the fact that I know that he loves me because I look at the cross and see that at great expense, he sacrificed himself to save my life. And I know that he loves me. <laughs> I don't need flowers. I can see 
I know that he loves me and he is almighty and there is nothing impossible for him and he is holy and my life is in his hands and therefore I am not afraid. It's one of the fundamental truths that keeps us together as Christians. God is good, he is almighty and our life is in his hands. It gives me great confidence in this life no matter what I face. No matter what my circumstance, no matter what the reports are. I know God is good and nothing is impossible for him and he loves me. And no matter what happens to me in this life, because he loves me, I know he will be with me. And in the end, I will be with him for eternity. And therefore, I can face anything. He will reward and repay whatever is done to me in this life because he is just. And so... We rejoice when we read Romans 8 verse 28 and we know that all things work together for the good for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called, and whom He called, these He also justified, and whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore has also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sleep sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor death or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here is some meat and you have to chew this before you swallow it. Just because God loves you does not mean you are going to escape tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. But his love will enable you to endure it and overcome it. And you will be rewarded for it. God's purposes will come to pass. God is almighty. Nothing is impossible for him. No matter what I go through, he can change my circumstances. And he can do the impossible or he can give me the strength to endure it. His purposes is greater than myself. His purposes is greater than myself. And yet he is mindful of me, sacrificed his son to save me, so that I may be with him for eternity, in eternity. 
God's purposes is driven by His love and holiness. And it's far greater than myself. It's just by grace that I can be part of it. <laughs> His purposes is so powerful, nothing can stop it. And we all have a choice whether we're going to jump into that river and flow with it or try and resist it and be overcome by it because you cannot resist God. And man stands to choose. I'm either going to jump in it and submit to his will and let his love and holiness lead me, drive me into his will and his way and his purposes or I can try and dictate what it should look like and be like be overcome by it. <laughs> I can either trust him and jump into it and let him take me where he wills. <laughs> you know what? I was broken, depressed, and in the act of committing suicide before God stepped into my world, into my life. He literally saved me. And then I jumped into that river. And it's been 31 years of just letting it flow. Just saying, just wherever this current takes me, I believe that you exist and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you and nothing is impossible for you and you are holy and perfect and good and you love me. And my life, it's in your hands. And I'm not afraid of what I may face in this life because I know you. And I know where this river leads. Yes, it might go through valleys and shadows and, 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 and canyons and, and white waters. And yes, at times I might go under and come up. And, but I know where this river is going. It's flowing to the ocean. <laughs> it's going to lead to eternal life. So I don't just believe that God exists. I believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I've been following God for 31 years and I have seen how God does the impossible in my own life and the life of countless others, either changing the circumstances, the reality, the inevitability or give the grace to endure it to the end but always overcoming, being more than conquerors through faith and love in him. And I have to end here because our time is up and I want to ask the band to come up. But here are three things that unifies us in our faith. It's first that God is holy. He is perfect. He is good and he is just. And the second is that God is love. He's compassionate, merciful, gracious, relational. And that he knows you and me. And he loves us. From that place of holiness, purity. And then thirdly, that God is almighty. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. We can ask him anything. Oh, he has a purpose that's going to happen. But we have a relationship with him and we ask him anything. 
He's either going to change our circumstances and do the impossible, or He will give us the grace to endure to the end. But His purposes will come to pass. And through faith, by grace, through faith in Him, that purpose is for your salvation. To be with Him for eternity. Do you have faith in His existence? Who He is? Do you believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him? Well, if it's you, then jump into the river and just let go. How does how that saying say? Let go and let God. Just let go. Let us pray together. Father, we, we come to you this, this morning, God, and we stand at awe in just an aspect of who you are. The creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe. Everything that exists is because of you and nothing is impossible for you. In this what you have created, nothing is impossible for you. And you have granted us the privilege to come to you, to surrender our lives to you and accept you in our lives as God. Bow our knee and worship you. And you embrace us. You wash us clean. You accept us. You redeem us. You fill us with your spirit as a guarantee of an inheritance. And you call us to know you more. And to follow you. Wherever you lead us. God, I pray for the grace for us to jump into this river of your purpose and your love. Let it lead us wherever it does. Not try to resist or limit it, Lord, but just surrender to it, Lord. I pray for those who are here this morning that are sick or have something that is impossible in your life. If that is you this morning and you are sick and there's something that's impossible in your life, God is saying to you, I am the Almighty God. Nothing is impossible for me. And if that is you this morning, we would love to pray with you. We're going to ask you just to respond to God's invitation to come to Him. To come to Him with faith. And maybe you are here this morning and you've not jumped into this river yet to the point where you let go Let go of your understanding and what, what you would like this river to take you to. Just to let go and to trust Him. Maybe it's going to be your first time where you take this step in this God that loves you. Has a purpose for you. I also want to give you an opportunity to respond and, and to come forward. And I want you, if that is you this morning, I want you, if you can relate to one of those two things, I want you just to come forward and we're going to pray with you. We're going to ask God to do what is impossible. 
and heal, restore, change circumstances, and save your soul. Doesn't matter which one it is. And as you come forward, I just want to read a portion of scripture that God laid on my heart as we were worshiping in the first service. It's in Luke chapter 34, and I want you to come forward if that is you. If you have something you're trusting the Lord for. I want to ask the facilitators to help as well. But I want you to come forward. You can stand forward. No? Come. I want to read an account of Mary. The angel comes to her and declares the news that she will bear a son. Which is impossible because she never knew a man. She never had sex with a man. How is this possible? And so she says the following, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived the Son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, she jumped in. She said, behold, the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. <laughs> and the rest is history. Let us just respond to the Lord in our own hearts, whether you are responding because there is something impossible in your life, whether it's the need of healing or, or your circumstances or you're surrendering your life to God. Just want to rest for us, just in your own words, just in your own heart, just respond to the Lord, whatever He's been laying on your heart to this message. Just, just speak to Him as we minister to those who have responded. showed me that scripture from John 5 verse 4 where it speaks about the angel of the Lord stirring the water and the Lord says he's stirring the water not only now but every moment that you reach out to him for whatever your need is that he's there to meet that need whether it is an emotional need or a physical need or a spiritual need he meets that need according to his riches in glory
is thank you, Father, that we can come to you every day and worship you. Lord, I pray that as we surrender ourselves to your purposes, we can declare, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. If you need ministry of prayer, we're going to be here for a few moments.